Please prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a I'm Grace Bella Harmon, board-certified dance movement therapist and embodied grief guide. Body Grieves, Spirit Calls is an open exploration of the connection between grief, embodiment, and spirituality. I believe the grieving is an inherently sacred process that deserves and requires its own attention and energy to fully integrate. Through personal stories, reflections, and interviews, I seek to highlight the ways in which grief can bring us home to our bodies and to a deeper connection with the spirit that holds us all. Hello and welcome back. I'm really happy to have y'all here. And I'm really excited to share this practice with you because it is the most foundational thing that I can share with you as far as the work of integrating your grief into your life, processing your grief, developing a better relationship with your body, developing a clear relationship with your grief. And it is the practice of creating a grief sanctuary. Now, this is something that I've shared in various conversations on this podcast so far and that I kind of found myself doing intuitively um, and that I later read about in the book Losing a Parent by Alexandra Kennedy, um, which is a great grief book that I highly recommend. And um, there's a few reasons why this is such a powerful practice Um, And one of the reasons why is its simplicity. So in this practice, I invite you to find a place either in your home or nature, but, but make it a place that you know you will come back to. And this place you designate as your grief sanctuary, your grief house, your grief place, okay? This might be a corner, a closet, a room, a piece of land in your yard if you have one. Maybe it's by a particular tree in your favorite park. Whatever it is, make sure it's a place that your body can land safely and comfortably. And you make this space a sanctuary a place to connect with your grief. So you can make it however you want to. You might put pictures there. You might put special objects there. You might change the lighting if, the, if it's inside. You might 
bring particular books or a journal or maybe art supplies. You might put blankets. You make it yours, but make it feel kind of like a cocoon, a cozy nest for your grief. And then the idea is to go to it. Now, this is one of these practices that is very simple, but it's not easy, right? Because we live in this culture that has told us again and again and shown us in so many ways that if we surrender to our grief, then we will not be able to get back up, right? There's so much fear that we have many of us have been socialized with about surrendering to grief and really feeling it right and you know as you've probably gathered by now my take on this is that if you don't surrender to grief then you will just accumulate tension over time and avoidance of it and then it will come out much bigger and badder and more um, uncontrollable later And this is why we need the ritual of a grief sanctuary. Yeah. So my work and my understanding of grief is really built upon this concept of ritualizing. Yeah, of making and setting aside particular time and space for your grief. And so in this sanctuary, your only job is to one, set aside time to grieve, set aside time to dedicate to your grief. And this might be 15 minutes, it might be 30 minutes. You know your body best, you know your brain best. So for some people, a lot of structure at the beginning is really helpful. So you might set a timer. For others, and this is more of where I am, I just like to go and follow my body and stay there as long as I need to. Yeah, so I like to I like to leave a lot of spaciousness around my grief time. And so you set aside the time to do it. Right? So that's part of this sort of personal accountability that um is a hard lesson to learn in that no one will tell you I think you need to take your grief time. <laughs> right? Unless you have like a really badass fairy godmother who just gets this kind of thing. Yeah. You have to start that practice on your own. You have to set that time for yourself. Yeah. And, you know, initially, if you're grieving a very fresh loss, I recommend, if not every day, then several times a week. What this does is it. Develop, it helps you develop a relationship with your grief so that you get to know it. You get to know how it moves, you get to know what it needs, and you get to feel it shift and change over time. And so if you start out with a few times a week, this may decrease or increase depending on the time of year, the season, you know, a lot of different factors right? This is an invitation to listen to yourself and to follow that. Okay. And the the goal, the intention 
of this time is to get to learn what your grief needs, right? And so at the beginning, for myself, my grief practice was really just laying down or sometimes I would be in like a child's pose position with my, um, like resting my hips towards my heels and reaching my arms forward face down and I would just cry like the the pain of losing my mom was so intense that there was no there's nothing else to do that was very clear that that was what my body needed at the time yeah and so the invitation for you is just to once you make this space spend time in it and do whatever your grief needs to do okay and you will find that something that may right now feel immovable or sticky or heavy that it will change it changes over time when you spend time with with it yeah and so this practice does several things this is the why so one is that you get to learn about your grief you get to know your grief you get to know your grieving body and so you get so you get to learn who you are in the midst of this loss Right, Grief literally restructures our body. It restructures our nervous system. It forces us to reconfigure our internal attachment system. Right, That's why it's painful. Because we're literally trying to figure out how to live without the person or the places or the pieces of ourselves or whatever it is that we're grieving. Right? It's a really unsettling and sometimes disturbing sometimes anxiety provoking experience and we need a place to land that is just for us where we don't have to answer to anyone or explain ourselves to anyone or say anything at all if we don't want to right part of the sickness of American culture, Western culture, is a real inability and deep, deep, deep avoidance of death and grief and loss. And because we are oriented to stay in relationship, what that often ends up looking like is we will make our grief smaller We won't be authentic in it in front of other people. You know, we will change and morph it to fit different situations, right? That's a, that's a biological adaptation and it's an intelligent one. You know, at some point I'll do a a whole episode about the, the need to change that pattern. If we really want grief integration, right? We actually have to ask more from the people who love us and we have to um do less of that less of making our grief small but that's another episode 
Right now, I'm just talking about the importance of spending time with your grief with you, right? And so, so along with that, getting to know your grief and getting to be with it unfiltered, your grief as an entity that lives in your body and around your body, your grief gets to learn and feel that there is a place for me where I don't have to perform. There is a place for me to be exactly as I am. And that is medicine that cannot be simply talked about, right? In terms of verbal processing of loss. That experience of being held by the earth, being held by the container of the space that you've created, being seen by your own inner witness, that has to be felt, that has to be experienced, right? And so this practice gives your grief a chance to be as it is without any filter, And over time, what this does is it actually makes the intensity of living with your grief out in the world less. Yeah, it lessens the feeling of tension, the tightness in your throat, whatever your own physical sensation is that you feel from covering up your grief, pulling it back into your body, stopping your tears before they come. Yeah. Telling people it's okay when it's not okay. What that does over time is it just increases your tension. And so if you have a particular time and place, a ritual around your grief, then the intensity of living with your grief out in the world, it lessens. Right? It's not overflowing to the same degree this is not me me saying that you're not grieving all the time right particularly if you're early on in your grief process you absolutely are you're i'm sure feeling it all the time right and even years and years and years down the line if you are grieving a core loss like a parent or a sibling or a really close friend or family member, right? You're never not um, carrying that grief with you. You're never not noticing their absence. But you get to develop and you get to make choices about how you relate to that grief. Yeah, and what you do with it and how it lives and how it moves in your body. And this sanctuary practice is a practice of turning towards yourself. Yeah, this is a big concept that I always am repeating in different ways because we have to learn how to turn towards our grief intentionally. We also have to learn, if you're like me and and your tendency is to turn towards it a lot, 
we also have to learn to turn away from it. Right? There, there has to be an inner and outer dance between being fully with our grief and being fully with the rest of our life. Right? Until it just integrates. Until you can live life while grieving without feeling like you're getting weighed down without feeling like you're gonna break that that your body's gonna break if you cry in public right so your grief gets to learn that there is a place for me to be and therefore I don't need to be freaked out about living my life and it's hard to describe for me Personally, it's hard to describe this because my own experience was very, um, very intuitive and very clearly um, open. Like it, for me, my psychology, my biology is, I tend to be very emotionally open And so it didn't really feel like a choice for me to show my grief to others, for example, to let my grief out. It it just happened, right? But I think it's really helpful for all of us, regardless of how we are oriented towards emotion and relationships and other people, to have a practice. Yeah to have a container, to have a structure for you to get messy. Yeah. A structure for you to feel and be exactly as you are. So at the beginning, you might just sit and look around. Your body might not know what to do. Over time, you might start to cry, you might put on music and move intuitively, you might shake or wiggle or roll, or you might find yourself getting fucking furious and you'll rip some paper and throw some pillows and scream and cry. You might make art, you might write poetry. Whatever the grief desires is exactly right. Yeah, there really is no right or wrong way to do it as long as you're being present to your own body and what is true for you in this moment and the the next moment and the next moment. Yeah. And what this practice has taught me and what it teaches the people that I work with who, by the way, have varying levels of um, comfort with this practice right it it's not an easy practice but it is a simple one as I said um and but what I do find is that it makes it easier to live with grief it makes the grief less overwhelming it decreases tension in in your body and again it helps you get to know your grief because You'll get a lot of questions, especially if you're at the beginning. What do you need? Or maybe more commonly, people sending text messages and just saying things like, 
if you need anything, let me know. And you may not know what you need. You may not know what you want. But the practice of ritualizing your grief will actually unveil that to you quite clearly and quite easily. Your grief will start to communicate with you. Your body will start to communicate with you. Your body will become lighter over time. Yeah. And you'll be able to communicate to others what you need. You'll get clearer about that. A lot of the work that I end up doing with people is about this piece, right? Once we ritualize our grief, once we land in our bodies, once we have a practice, once we're not scared of our grief, then we need to bring that out into our lives, into our relationships, and into the world. And we need to learn how to be honest with other people and ask for what we desire. But it starts with this grief sanctuary practice. So I hope that you do this practice and again, set whatever reminders you need, write it down, whatever you need to help your body remember, to help yourself be accountable to yourself, to create the structure that you need to really do it. I invite you to do so. Yeah. And if you want to share pictures of your grief sanctuary with me, you can follow me and message me at Move Your Grief or just tag me. I would love to see them. And I'm sending you all so much love and so much breath wherever and whoever you are in your grieving process. Know that you are exactly where you need to be and that I fully trust you to listen to your body and let it guide you to your next step. So much love, y'all. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you, dear listener, for going on this journey with me. Much gratitude to Beautiful Chorus and Naomi Westwater for the beautiful opening and closing music. If you resonate with this podcast, you can show your appreciation by leaving a generous review and by sharing it with your communities. You can also join my Grief Village community on Patreon, where we have twice-monthly Move Your Grief Circles, a monthly Q&A, and an ever-growing collection of meditations, practices, and other resources. Details to join as well as more information about my work are in the show notes. Thank you for your support. Until next time, have a soulful day.